0: Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Brian LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Della Borovic as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band has discovered their next target. Eli is still recovering from withdrawal. Valentine ordered the ship forward to pursue the Eldari in Morgan is preparing to impersonate her adopted mother. And Atticus is starting to study high society. Will these heroes be able to infiltrate Greybridge posing as a rogue trader's retinue? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy.
1: From the Inquisition's files on Greybridge. We don't talk about Greybridge. Having decided to yeah. try and infiltrate <laughs> uh, the planet Graybridge as a rogue trader band, you've tasked uh Traceous of Anikoth with um, figuring out uh, what he can from uh, the Billingberg files aboard the ship. Happily for you, those files aren't exactly uh, Inquisition approved, uh, so you may be able to get some actual information. Uh, You've decided that uh, Morgan will impersonate uh, Rawls Varn, her uh, dead captain, who we met briefly uh, before being... uh, (laughs) turning back to the side of good and being obliterated by a giant explosion. Um, Eli will be posing as um, her driver and pilot, um, Mm. and currently Atticus and Valentine are uh, in line for security. Which is how things would have gone down if uh, Tresea Savannikoth hadn't breathlessly uh, arrived. And I think, like, you hear a thump outside your door, Valentine, um, and the sound of someone, like, trying desperately to kind of, like, put themselves back together before knocking politely. But you get the sense this was almost like a you know, like an old-timey news agency where just like throw open the door and be like, you gotta stop the presses. Um, but then realize that you don't do that to an Inquisitor. So it was more like <laughs> he ran up, almost did that, stopped, and is like trying to put himself together. Um,
2: well, Valentine will allow him to have this moment at the same time thinking, if this is going to involve one of our lives being at
1: risk, I'm going to talk to him about the door policy. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> wait. Yeah, um, he he knocks uh, rather insistently. Hits the button, door opens. Great. Um, And uh, says, uh, Inquisitor, uh, th- thank you for seeing me on such short notice. I apologize for for sort of bursting in on you. I have some very, very good news. Excellent. Let's hear it. So Greybridge is a uh, planet of some nobility. It would seem in Billingberg's files that uh, the it has a somewhat sour relationship with the Inquisition, which is why there is no file. Uh, and unfortunately, it is well connected enough that uh, it is allowed to not have that file. Um, it would seem that the, uh, the king of this planet is a uh, bastard son, a relative of one of the lords of Terra, and this is his uh, dirty little secret planet where they just put the sun and say, you can be king here, I'll fuck off out of court. Uh, so, needless to say, there is a lot of power invested in this particular corner of the world. Uh, as a result, there are many noble families that have been living on this planet for some time. Uh, their fortunes rise, their fortunes fall. And we are in luck uh, for the uh, Van Houten family, uh, formerly of the planet Greybridge, uh, has fallen upon somewhat difficult times. Uh, and it would seem that uh, uh, Mister uh, Von Van Houten the Sixteenth uh, left the planet uh, with his with his family some time ago, uh, letting his estate fall into ruin. Now here's where things get rather interesting. This is a photo of Mister um, uh, Van Houten the Sixteenth. And he holds up a photo that is like, if you weren't wearing your glasses, the spitting image of Atticus. So just a very round, mutton-chopped man. Um, he's got a bit more bit more hair on his noggin. Uh, presumably doesn't have a power fist, but like in a pinch. What does his hair look like, Tom? Uh, so <laughs> he's got like a, um, this is going to be a weird poll, but uh, if you can think of a sportscaster or basically like an old white guy during the COVID pandemic. Uh, the part of the COVID epidemic where people weren't getting haircuts. In my head, this is like the mayor of Toronto had like a pom- almost a pompadour because he just refused to get his haircut. But it was like a weird, like helmet pompadour. So it's not like nice. It's just kind of like still like up rides up the forehead, but just kind of a lot of hair from mid mid forehead back in kind of a big sweeping arc. Um, so yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of what we're dealing with. Why do you ask? Do you want to. <laughs> Just want to do something about it, keep a track of things that may need to be dealt with. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so Tresea says, um, uh, so, uh, Monsieur the 16th uh, left the planet, uh, some time ago, um, with uh, his brother and his brother's young son. Uh, now this was uh, about uh, 20 years ago, so it would seem to me that uh, the Colonel is probably about the right age to be a certain uh, nephew and, uh, By rights, the heir to the Van Houten estate. So, should you find the need for uh, a way in, uh, a long lost Air returning to the planet may be a useful way to integrate into society beyond simply being a, a rogue trader. It would seem from this file that due to the interest in aristocracy and bloodline and family that an outsider, even an exotic one like a rogue trader, would probably have some means of getting in. Getting into the society itself will be seen as an oddity and perhaps something exotic and to be desired, but may have some difficulty with the uh, aristocracy.
2: Excellent. So we can turn our dear Colonel Atticus into a scion of the Van Houten
1: family. Uh, and he would be a nephew, so he doesn't require this haircut, correct? Uh, he does not. I mean, I think it would look good on the Colonel, but it would probably be a pain in the ass to figure out, yes. Uh, I mean, Valentine runs through his head of like thinking
2: we could just take a strip off of Thaddeus's back and <laughs> sew it to the top of Atticus and do like a hair transplant, but it's not necessary for this, so he's not going to require Atticus to undergo surgery. It's <laughs> this brutal. Listen, he's got a number of pieces and he can only put them together so many ways.
1: Somewhere Gideon Kotov just has a moment of being (laughs) thrilled, like full body tremor of joy. And then it goes away and he's like, well, uh, damn.
2: (laughs) Do we have any of the genetic records or fingerprinting or anything from this family that we
1: could use to demonstrate a claim other than a brief resemblance to this family? Um, and, uh, Varenkoff, um, nods and says, uh, well, the good news on this front inquisitor is that, uh, the Van Houten family, a, moved to a, uh, less redacted planet as it were. And as a result, yes, we have enough records. We could easily afford something for you. Yes. Excellent. Congratulations, Colonel. You are now, what's the name of this nephew? Well, the, the father was, uh, his uncle was, uh, Van Van Houten, the 16th. Um, the uh, hang on, I seem to have my thumb over the name here. It would seem. Hang on, I'm I'm having some difficulty uh, reading it. Uh, what what do you wanna what do you wanna name him? Know, if oh, it's, if it's not in the record, Morgan. oh, it's it's in the record under his thumb. <laughs> ah. but like a video game asking you to enter your name. When he pulls his thumb away, we'll see what the name <laughs> is.
2: Morgan, what sounds fancy?
3: Francois.
2: Thank you very much, yes. Dell.
1: <laughs> yes, it is uh, Francois Van Houten. Well, Atticus, you're going to become Francois
2: Van Houten. Please give Atticus all files about the Van Houten family so you can become an expert in this family we are now going to join. Francois Van Houten. <laughs> oh, yes. Is this. Right. Is there a certain. Dialect that this family uses? we Or is how Atticus sounds now acceptable for impersonating this planet? Uh,
1: it, uh, according to the records, uh, given that the Van Heldens have been off-planet for some time, I think any dialect, uh, the way the colonel speaks, should be just fine. Uh, oh, thank the God, Emperor, because I feel like if we'd had to change that voice, it might have been a bit of a problem. We could do some sort of voxponder surgery, but not really worth it. Well, six, this or... is the nice thing about Greybridge, So There is a huge interest in, uh, in etiquette and in uh, the society itself however uh there is also just such a wide variety of characters down there you will be just fine in fact uh, it would not be outside the realm that uh, perhaps a long lost uh, nephew uh, may have enlisted may have spent some time in in the forces uh, we may don't necessarily need to make a glove large enough to hide the fist excellent you'll be yourself but slightly better dressed
2: well good i don't i don't have an aptitude for this sort of
1: Subterfuge, I mean, why does it matter what I sound like as long as I can smash heretics? Uh, Well, I think it is going to matter quite a bit uh, what you do aside from smashing heretics on this particular planet, but uh, I will leave that to more capable people than I. Right, so Francois Van Houten then, eh? Yes, heir to the uh, Van Houten family on Greybridge. Heir to the Van Houten family on Greybridge, right, right. Francois Van Houten. M- Hello,
2: my name is Francois Van Outen. Got it. <laughs> if you could append those files to Atticus's data slate, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you could include audio files where someone reads the pages, that would be good too. <laughs> Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because in Valentine's head, he's like, I do not want this fucking guy guessing at how to pronounce every relative's name that's involved. Yeah,
1: fair oh, enough. So, um, uh, Vandercroth gives you a, a quick, I guess, like the, the entire retinue, a quick primer on on Greybridge based on on the files. And again, Billingberg doesn't have a whole lot on this other than um, he has like a basic rundown of the planet. Uh, it is very clear from looking at it knowing what you knew of Billingberg that He is actively leaving things out knowing that his Eldar compatriot is there. So it's kind of like a, I need to know a lot about this planet. I need to know the comings and goings of this planet. If I ever had to show up and crack some skulls on this planet, I need to know what's what. But I also can't pay too much attention to this planet without like... People noticing I'm being... being, Yes, exactly right. Particularly given that the Inquisition uh, is essentially has such ill relations with it that um, uh, from... Billingberg's files it is clear that like direct from the top of the house it's like do not fuck with this planet leave it alone if there's a problem we'll sort it out but it is not it Hmm. is not for you um which isn't to say the Inquisition couldn't go there but um you get the sense it's probably a bit of a shoot on site policy um in the way that only people fully removed from the realities of the Imperium could be so um Graybridge is a uh, a planet that is locked in um, a rather um uh, it's got a, a sort of a unique climate uh it is traditionally an incredibly rainy planet so it's just kind of like raining all day every day uh kind of situation however um, in the last um, uh, thirty or so years, um, there have been some uh, heavy, heavy changes uh, to the um, the cycle of seasons on the planet, uh, such that uh, the king won Frederick Henry Jackson Dendrick Luther Fitzgerald, oh, come uh, on, man, <laughs> or King Fitzgerald, as he is most commonly known. Thank you. Is <laughs> can you um, give us that full name one more time? Yes, please? it's Frederick Henry Jackson Dendrick Luther Fitzgerald.
4: Frederick Henry Jackson, Frederick Henry Jackson Luther, Dendrick <laughs> Luther Fitzgerald. A uh, thank Jackson, you. Jackson, Dendrick, Luther,
1: Frederick Henry Jackson Dendrick Luther Fitzgerald. Jesus, just rolls off the tongue and into the heart, doesn't it? Wow. Um, so uh, <laughs> King Fitz funny. King Fitzgerald. Um, has brought a, <laughs> a a new era of of kind of wealth and prosperity uh, to the planet um his, uh his palace is uh built um on uh, a a very complex and confusing machine um, that keeps it off of the planet's surface um and it actually drifts through the clouds uh, it's known as the cloud palace um, it drifts through the clouds of uh of the planet it's a smallish planet um and uh, has essentially over time uh, built up uh, some, for lack of a better term, like weather control systems. So essentially, uh, the Cloud Palace is responsible for um, being able to shift uh, the, uh, the climate of, of the planet um, rather. Rather abruptly, and and has as a result brought um, the possibility of seasons to a planet that is otherwise rainy season all the time. Uh, you can think of this planet almost as like more of a moon in terms of its size. So it is like it's certainly large, but it's not like uh, I don't want you to think of even like an Earth-sized planet. Like it really is more like our moon size. So it's like so it's,
4: gravity's going to be funky, or is it super gravity's
1: dense? Super dense. Gravity's fine, Sweet. but it, it's just like you can circumnavigate the planet. Like an airplane ride for us would circumnavigate okay. the, the planet. Like it's not um yeah, yeah. So it's not so big, um, which kind of leads to the the society piece to it. Um as a result, um, and as a, a show of both wealth and goodwill, um there's come to be a uh, a festival uh on the planet uh known as uh the Celestial Season. Uh during the Celestial Season, which happens every five years, uh King Fitzgerald uh essentially forces all four seasons uh, in the span of four weeks, um, giving the planet a uh, kind of a tremendous celebratory vibe uh, where the the entire society can kind of come together and um, participate in uh, sort of acts of opulence and self-congratulation. Um, in historical terms, this is very much a, a season uh, in, in England. So this is like where all the aristocrats can come out and try and find companions and flaunt their wealth and do other things, all trying to win favor of uh, King Fitzgerald and raise their profile um, on Greybridge. The good news for you is that uh, the celestial season is rapidly approaching, which is the perfect time for a long-lost heir to arrive as it is when everyone kind of reintroduces themselves. Given that it is rainy there all day, every day, um, without the seasonal shift, it is very hard to get fully decked out in your best, like, Fancy old timey aristocratic gear because it will just get soaked and fall apart. So um, <laughs> the season really is a chance for everyone to kind of reemerge, reintroduce themselves, uh, and go on. This particular season is of of note as uh, the king is trying to uh, find a a consort uh, for um, his nephew, uh, the Duke Wickstrup. Um So Duke Wixthrop is a very eligible bachelor. Uh, and a chance to marry into the royal family, albeit at distance, and so is a an incredibly sought after uh, gentleman on this planet, and so all the 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 various uh, aristocratic families will be really really pulling out all the stops uh, in order to try and win the hand and heart of Duke Wickstrop. Uh, the good news for you is, again, this opens up a particularly good opportunity to rearrive and reestablish yourselves on the planet as people uh, arriving, seeking the Duke's hand. The catch is, from everything you can ascertain, and I think Vancroft probably presents this to you, and I'd say the the Inquisitorial retinue probably sorts this out after him. I don't think he would necessarily be able to piece this together, but Valentine, this would be a pretty quick work for you, and honestly, probably Morgan, given your your subterfuge experience. it is very clear that uh, Trinricai, if he's on this planet, is in the Cloud Palace. Um, he wouldn't just be walking around being an Eldar. That would be uh, um, a very uh, exposed place. Also, the goodwill of the Imperium towards the secret bastard son of uh, one of the Lords of Terra runs up pretty quickly if you're harboring a fucking, like, Eldar threat. An alien fugitive that escaped an ultramarine's purge. (laughs) Yeah, not the best. (laughs) That said, uh, things like I have a flying castle that lets me change the weather makes a lot more sense if you have a Xenos heretic who fled an ultramarine purge.
3: Hey, it's Del. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to The Valentine Heresy. And if you are so inclined, we at Dum Dumbs and Dice have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Dice. There's tiers from $1 to $25 a month, which gets you super cool stuff and also helps support creatives like us. Uh, specifically us, you know, when doing this stuff. For just $1 a month, you can join our Discord, which is for patrons only, but you gain access to it forever. You can come hang out with us and talk about 40K and share your models and be super nerdy because, honestly, we're all super nerdy there. So, if you feel so inclined and would like to support the shows, come on over and join us. Uh, It's patreon.com slash dice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. That's right. Just type it Type it in the search bar uh, patreon.com slash dumdumdice and we'll see you over there. Thanks.
1: All this to say that in order to get to um, the Eldar, you're going to need to get to the Cloud Palace and the Cloud Palace is nigh on impenetrable unless you really want to mount an assault but given the amount of the society is very polite, uh, but there are plenty of guns because they are uh, rich people safe, which is to say there is a ton of armament on the planet dedicated purely to making sure these folks are fine. Um, and the chance of like just like basically it'd be a suicide run to try and storm the castle. Uh, it's a very, very bad call. Um the records also indicate There
4: goes Eli's plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Same with Atticus. <laughs> yeah. Uh the records also indicate um a that the king has a personal space marine, which is a bit Blech. concerning. But there is uh an Adeptus astartes on the planet who seems to be is referred to in the file as a pet space marine. Um Ooh. do we have any
2: other information about this space marine? Because that is Oh, Valentine's got a lot of interest in random
1: space marine. Uh, there is no chapter listed. Uh, the marine mm. is is said to wear the livery of uh, the Fitzgerald house um, on his, uh, his pauldrons. Uh, the armor uh, is uh, pure white, um, but not decked out in, again, like a chapter color. It is literally like someone bleached um, space marine armor um otherwise uh weirdly the pet space marine is known to just frequent events like he's just around um he's often just lurking in the background is um, is there a name then yes uh the marine is listed in the file as being named forest pollard hmm. he is known to be very brusque um he's not like hanging out and having fun what? Um, a
0: space marine?
1: I know. Spice marine? Yeah. Um, that said, um, from all accounts, because he is a sort of a constant presence, it's not like he's, he doesn't appear to be doing the Mr. President thing where he just stands there and is intimidating. Like, if if there's a toast, he raises a glass. If there's a feast, mm. he eats with everyone. Like, there's, he's somewhere between a bodyguard and a guest is the the, the general vibe. Hmm. Um. And again, like in the file, there are all manner of redactions, but also like high-level overrides from the, the Court of Terra um, to allow such nonsense uh, to occur. Um, so those are the main uh the main notes. Um Ivanikov is able to tell you that there are five major families uh, that you'll be dealing with that are kind of there are a lot of families all vying for a position in the society, um, but there are five kind of major families that um, are kind of listed as as being like legacy families. There isn't like a lot of information. He was, however, able to pull like the equivalent of like a fucking gossip letter um, off of uh, off of the uh, the imperial records. GMZ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> GWMZ. Um, <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there is the uh, Balensong family, the Boberstein family, the Versailles family, the Kiros family, and uh, the Voidstein family
2: <laughs>
1: uh, who are deeply disgraced and it is not their. Birth name, but rather what they have been labeled. Um,
4: wow! Due to
1: some unpleasantness, they are very much spoken of as like a like. Oh, there's these folks, these folks, and of course the notorious stains. and then there's like a bunch of others. But those are the, sort of the the big the big names that come up. Cool. So, uh, according to what uh, Truceus has found, uh, there is a Van Houten estate uh, that has fallen into disrepair that you'll be able to kind of reestablish um, from what he's seeing. If you want to be able to move in the society, you will need to become the society. So to your point of like disguising yourselves, you're going to have to restore the estate. You will have to host an event. You will have to very much present yourselves as part of it, particularly if um, uh, Francois is going to have a chance at winning the Duke's heart. Um, But ultimately, uh, the good news is it is very common for Like, based on what he's seeing, like, having a driver is a very, very common thing. Um, So, Eli's cover is good. Also of interest to you, Eli, from this briefing is that um, one of the only things that Greybridge produces is incredibly good and fast ships. Mm. Um, They're usually just used for aristocrats to go fast. So, there's, like, a frustration there. But they are, like... It's the kind of thing where there's not like a full ship manufacturing industry. It's more like someone manufacturing luxury cars and restore, Like Right. They, they turn out incredibly good vehicles, but it's like, I built one. Um, yeah. So there are shipyards on the planet uh, that make incredibly fast vessels. Um, there are certainly records of Rogue Traders and other folks kind of coming to witness a celestial season because it is like quite a thing. Uh, so, Morgan, your cover is... Uh, something that would be um, probably celebrated um, mm-hmm. and and welcomed uh but given that the Inquisition is um, absolutely barred from the planet from all accounts um Valentine uh, it falls to you to be, like even security details a bit on the on the fringe however uh, having an attendant or a sort of like head servant who is responsible for arranging a lot of these things is very very common so think like a footman, not quite a butler, but like someone who is like going around exchanging, like calling cards and all that shit is very, very common. And also something that would give you access to a lot of information and people. Uh, and oddly kind of fits with your commissar training because it's like, how fast can you click your heels? Very fast. Mm. Um, so, um, again, Treseus, out of breath, having delivered all this, um, says, it seems there's a lot of opportunity uh, here as well as a lot of risk. Um, Unfortunately, the details for this particular celestial season are not in the files, as uh, these things happen every five years. But I imagine once you are down there, you can probably find someone who is uh, amenable to uh, give you the appropriate information.
4: I have a question.
1: Uh, Yes, of course.
4: How is this planet not blown out of the sky?
1: Money. The Court of Terror is uh, particularly invested in keeping it What is
4: the point of an Inquisition if we have no power places...
2: What The Inquisition has power everywhere, I'd like to be entirely clear. There are political yes. ramifications and costs that could damage the throne more than a show of force is worth. You have to balance A against B. If there is to be strife amongst the Lord of Terror, one of them perhaps becomes a rival of another. As we know, the Inquisition is involved in those games. Then it dispels... A great deal of tension and other militaristic threats. However, if we deepen a rivalry among the Lords of Terror and they take their focus away from the Indomitus Crusade and the war to reclaim Imperium Nihilus and Gilliman's actions as regent, then we destroy humanity and cost everyone everything because we want to crack a particularly obnoxious walnut. So instead you wait The Inquisition has the gift of waiting. And when this Lord of Terror falls from power, either through their own mistakes or the Inquisition's efforts through people like us, then certain nuts just appear to crack themselves. They rot within their protected little shell. And at the end, you excise them and they are forgotten forever. There is no legacy longer than the Inquisition because there is no legacy longer than the Emperor. Justice takes time when they are those who are in power. And at the same time, if we discover more heresy than is acceptable under this agreement, agreements change.
4: I understand. I don't like it, but I
2: understand. Oh, I don't like it either, but we all understand that that's part of the job.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's an Eldar-shaped uh, hole in that clause, I think. Um, <laughs> That Eldar isn't one of the Lords of Terror, I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, spoilers. (laughs) He's the Emperor. Um, (laughs) Not anymore.
0: (laughs) 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 Why are we trying to save him?
1: (laughs) so weird. What happened to our listenership uh, when I decided to just destroy the canon? All right, so um, that's the information you've got. Um, It will take some time to travel there, obviously. um, And from there... Like time is tight, but you do still have some some time. So uh Grimley punches in the coordinates for Greybridge. Um you have some time on the ship uh, before you arrive there. Unfortunately, beyond this information, there isn't much. Um, however, the vibe you're getting, and I think uh Valentine, you would know this, Morgan, you would probably know this. Um people like this fucking love to talk. So the odds of there being a metric fuck ton of information the on Greybridge arrive, yeah. is yeah. like very, very high. Um, so this is kind of a how much can you prepare before you prepare sort of uh, cool. sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, I mean
4: Eli would just uh, want to learn as much as possible, like hailing protocols, anything that someone flying a ship in and around the planet should know.
1: Okay, um, I think based on the information you've got, whatever. There isn't direct information on this because the planet is kind of so insular yeah. in a lot of ways. But if you're coming in as a rogue trader, you wouldn't necessarily be expected to know all that. Yeah. And I think essentially the protocol you find is like whatever the fanciest planet you can land on wants. Yeah. It's it's that. Cool. So
4: then protocols for rogue traders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Eli's used to navy shit, so this is. I mean, he just wouldn't. Ha-
1: yeah, I feel like that's more of a Morgan yeah. Morgan question yeah. than a than a Tom question. <laughs>
3: Yeah, uh, throwing back to forever ago when Valentine gave her a job, he told her that they should do stealth training. But Morgan was like, no, and also I have other things to do. But in this case, since they have some time while they're traveling, Morgan would go back and set up her bar situation and set up a table in there and grab Atticus, plop Atticus down and do both like, here's me, I'm going to serve you fancy drinks. How are you going to deal with that? But also would play cards and trying to be like, let's practice lying. Let's practice being a con right now.
2: I think Valentine would also join these sessions with Eli because Morgan is teaching Atticus how to be an aristocrat. And Valentine has to teach Eli how to be a servant because Eli stands like a motherfucking commander at arms in the (laughs) Navy (laughs) ready to scream at and eyeball everybody who walks by him and has to learn how to be like a driver (laughs) 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 who needs to be forgotten at all times with no threat. So same room, just teaching the opposite side of that, which is like don't react when he does the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like slouch a little bit.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eli at his drunkest still would walk around with like, hands behind his back, like <laughs> spine straighter than anyone else in the room.
2: <laughs> and the spine straight is fine, but we gotta keep the eyes down, hands behind back, look very mm-hmm. like Good. deferential.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I think what I'm gonna need is a <clears throat> charm roll from, I think, who do I want charm? I think I want charm. Uh, Yeah. Ryan, I'm going to take a charm from you. Um, So you made a charm roll, so it's charm and presence. Uh, Eli, Mm -hmm. what is your willpower? Uh, Three. Three? Okay. So we're going to say difficulty three. (laughs) Um, I will give you...
4: Is this me rolling or is this Valentine? No, this is Valentine
1: rolling uh, to see if... It's Valentine rolling to see how successful he is at training you in this. (laughs) Um, Lovely. Yeah, given that you have a lifetime of military service. Um, So we'll go with that. Um, I'm going to give you a boost for the fact that, like, Eli is willing. He just may be incapable, uh, which is fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
4: Eli's been giving orders for a long time, like, at least in his military career, which... I mean, his mind his mind is going back to that time with the, you know, drugs clearing,
1: yeah, well, but also, like, as Valentine has said, it's like on top of that, you also don't suffer fools, and that's, yeah, literally what you're being told you need to professionally suffer fools. Um, so literally
4: looking at my flaw on my character sheet, I'm like, well, oh, this is not gonna be good yeah.
1: <laughs> Almost like the scenario was built with that in mind. Um, okay, so, I say,
2: and I will say if Eli is doing poorly <laughs> on the general training, the level of punishments will go from like verbal discussions of what's going wrong to like give Atticus a dirty look. Valentine punches you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the the session, it's like we are not fucking around here. We could all yeah. die if you're an idiot. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so boost for that. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Boost for that. <laughs> and I'll give you one more for the fact that Morgan is probably able to assist you with this a little bit mm-hmm. because A, she knows Eli and B, like since subterfuge is her jam, just being since you're all in the same room, it would make sense it, that you can benefit from all that. Eli, was there anything you wanted to make an argument for or against in terms of like booster setback for, yeah, for I'm this I'm just journey?
4: looking to see if I have anything, but everything I have. Is combat related? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I think. All right,
1: uh, Valentine. Any any arguments you want to make for against dice? Well, not against dice. I think. <laughs> just have to have those.
2: I think after seeing Eli struggle with it, if we're looking at this as the end result of this mm. training, uh, the one thing that he would spot because his perception is excellent is Eli's belief in like rank and other things. And the key to his training to Eli would be that everyone outranks you.
1: Okay. Like there's nobody
2: that you outrank.
1: Okay. That's a good argument. I buy that. So, yeah, you can take it down the boost. Cool. All right. Shall I roll? Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Two successes and five advantage. Ah.
1: All right. So, I think that rank argument sits real well with Mm -hmm. with you, Eli. Uh, Valentine, do you want to give us just a sample of like what this instruction sounds like?
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah, if we're, if we're looking at like the montage of the different exercises, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just like Eli standing at parade attention and Valentine with... A classic military training baton because he is a trained commissar and they've both yeah. worked with this before but it's like walking past as Atticus is having things delivered and Eli say and just whacking Eli in the side of the leg to get him to bring his legs together instead of standing <laughs> at ease and then like pushing the hands down from behind him where they'd normally be like on hips or folded tightly so that they are vertical and then just like bring your eyes down excellent excellent remember you're a worm if you are <laughs> spotted then you will die everyone will kill you everyone will kill Atticus. You are nothing. You are nothing because his character is nothing. Bring that into the deep core of you. What do you do if someone says, how are you doing today? Uh, I answer respectfully. No one's going to ask you that question. You're a worm. You're a driver. (laughs) You go back and forth. If they're above you, you say respectfully, yes, and then uh, something. I don't know. You figure (laughs) out. No one's going to talk to you.
4: So, essentially... (laughs) I'm a midshipman and everyone else is a lieutenant or higher and doesn't give a shit about me.
2: Valentine pulls up a data slate, (laughs) checks the ranks, and is like, that is an acceptable metaphor, yes.
4: Oh, going back to my 20s.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A midshipman may actually be too high ranking because Uh a midshipman is still a rank on a ship. Who are they, they? those who haul the guns out and focus them during combat, reloading while being whipped. Well, the conscripts. Congratulations, you're a conscript.
4: I never paid it. Oh. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh,
4: oh. I. I see. I. I see now. Yes. I did. Yes.
2: Yes. Excellent.
4: Ah. <laughs> Shit lives. Okay. Yeah. If
2: if someone spots you, you may be whipped and you may be executed. You don't want <laughs> to be important and you don't want to stick your uh. neck out. Oh. However,
4: so many died
2: when you leave the rooms with the fancy people in them and he steps over to the bar and he's like here among your lesser's, you are of the rank of your master compared to everyone else's master. So there are those who will be in inferior houses, those below the Van Houtens. When you are just among servants, those people are shit. (laughs) (laughs) But the people above you are incredible and you must kiss their ass at all times.
4: So I'm better than all the other conscripts.
2: You are the sergeant of the conscripts. Only when just among other conscripts. When you're among worms, your status is based on who owns you.
4: So the person giving orders is way the hell down the other end of the ship. And I'm among the conscripts. And I'm the boss of them. (laughs)
2: I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even Valentine is lost in like the deep cut fucking navy terminology because yeah. he didn't do that.
1: Uh meanwhile, um, <clears throat> how much advantage did you roll, Ryan? Five. Five? Okay. So, um, Del, let's roll for Morgan. Okay. Um, you are trying to convince uh Atticus how to lie, lols. So teach
3: Atticus how to yeah. lie.
1: Yeah. So this is gonna be um I would honestly I would take Skullduggery, I think, is probably about okay. right. Um because like it's not deception because you're not lying. You're trying to teach how to lie, which I think is is Skullduggery is like a, a pretty sure legit term for that. Um Atticus, what is your willpower? Willpower is four. Four? Row raggy. Okay. All right. So we got a uh, difficulty of four. Mm-hmm.
3: Um
1: you can get two boost off of the advantage that Ryan rolled. Mm-hmm. Again, I think one one boost for just willingness. Like Atticus isn't. It's again. It's not like he's trying to fight you on this. Yeah, I will say he is looking sort of longingly over at Eli, getting flogged <laughs> and yelled at, being like, "Oh, that's what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like." <laughs> just gonna be that noble who's got like a giant power fist on the glass window <laughs> in the rain, looking out at the driver, being like, "That's the life for me." Yeah, um, mm-hmm. cool. Well,
3: I think one of the things that Morgan she knows enough about Atticus that. She would mention, here's the way to do things. It's like, and if someone steps out of line or if someone bumps you or someone does something you do not like and they are beneath you, you can say whatever you want. Be mean. Dave respects that.
2: All right, I can work with that. Outside of, I was gonna say, Valentine walks over and just shoves Eli into you so you both get practice of like <laughs> taking an insult and giving yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh just uh, around that happening, though, Atticus would, would say, like, outside of rank, how am I supposed to know who's my better and who's my lesser?
3: That is where all of the research that Terseus gave us comes in. You must right. memorize it.
2: Right, right. Very good.
3: Lots of names.
2: Lots of names. if you get into a
3: tough situation you can turn to someone especially one of us and you know force us to do it it's called delegation
1: right I can
2: delegate there we go Atticus shoves Eli into you or I guess Valentine shoves Eli into Atticus Uh, uh, and Atticus like looks to Morgan (laughs) and is like is this can I
3: (laughs) And Morgan will turn to Eli. Shit, Hill! You, you, uh, you have hurt someone who is your better. What do you have to say for yourself? And
4: Eli, oh my God! His <laughs> teeth are grinding, but he he looks down to the ground, uh, and just kind of bows, backs off. My apologies,
3: sir. And Morgan Morgan looks back at Atticus. Are you satisfied with this apology?
2: Yes, it's uh satisfactory. Don't let it happen again.
3: Oh god, it's so
4: fu- oh it's so fucking hard. Valentine
2: fucking canes <laughs> <in my face. laughs> right across the back of the cane.
4: Uh, okay, fine. Eli just like falls to his knees, it's like uh, never again.
1: Good. Good?
3: Good. Good. There, there you see.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think we can skip the roll. <gasps> <laughs>
0: This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Ryan Aplant at theRyanaplant on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as AtticusViz, Laura Hamstra at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter as Eli Sharp, Del Borvik at Del Tastig on Twitter as Morgan Rawls, and our game master Tom McGee at McGee TD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Delborvik at delborvik.com. D-E-L-B-O-R-O-B-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and "Chief Spy Jazzar." J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. Available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dumdums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merch dice available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator and death to all the heretics.
2: Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet Christopher Little Sue One George Dolby Richard Cranium Gavin and Abby McDonald Logan Fire on Friendly Grandma Likes D&D Alan Stabby Stranger Glitch Trick Flynn1138 Alorain Okapi OMG It's Big Nick D&D and Things Schrodinger's Pepper Guy Edwards Flea Unit Madre de Gatos. Lady Maiden, Melissa Rain, Nithrian, Garbo Ape, Locke, Sam Schaefer, Waffle Marine, Dagger Rain, Rob L, Dia Delos Hoodless, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.
3: The Fable and Folly Network. Where fiction producers flourish.
2: Edgar said to the interviewer, he was convinced that the thing out there wasn't a vault. At yeah, all. I know what he thought. Doctor Edgar's didn't think it was designed to keep things out. I know what he, he thought. He thought it was designed to keep something in.
0: Do you even understand the difficulty trying to keep a base like Fathom at the bottom of the ocean from killing everyone in it on a daily basis?
3: Oh my
2: God! Everyone, hold on to something.
0: I think
1: whatever is on the other side of that door out there, it's not friendly. I think it's trying to get out. That, my friend, is a dire combination.
2: That's a bad sign.
1: Get out of the door! It's spreading
2: like
0: some kind of technological contagion. We can either stop it here or watch the world burn. Fathom, the first season of Derelict.
3: Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or learn more at derelictpodcast.com.